0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Oh, I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord. It's the difference maker every single time. And when His Spirit begins to move, we know we can hear His voice. And where the voice of the Lord is, something miraculous can take place. Psalm 29 4 said the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord can put you back on the right track. It can give you strength when you're feeling weak. Encouragement when you're feeling discouraged. It can lift you up when you're down low. His voice is that clear call. That we need so desperately in these last days. And it is such a privilege to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Worshiping and lifting up the only saving name unto heaven. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are so happy to see each and every one in the sanctuary. We give honor to Pastor and Sister Boyd. Now let's remember them in our prayers. I know you are, but let's continue to bind together. It's a strange day that we're living in, we need to be united as one. Somebody say amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open and read from the book of Acts, the 21st chapter. We're going to begin at verse number 10, and we're going to read down to verse number 14. Acts chapter 21, verse number 10. Then we have a powerful move of God this past Sunday. I believe the Lord is going to answer prayers from this past Sunday. I'm expecting it in the coming weeks. I'm looking for it to take place. Acts chapter 21, verse number 10. And the Bible tells us this, And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet, Named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And When we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. I want to focus our attention here on this 13th verse. Tells us the reaction from the Apostle Paul. He said, I'm not willing just to be bound only but I'm willing to die if that's the necessity it takes. So I want to preach to us, teach to us from this subject, totally committed, totally committed. Let's lift our hands high to heaven. Let's pray. Father, oh, in Jesus' name, God, we're praying. A special blessing on each and every one that has taken time to be in your house. God, we're praying for every child, every young person, every adult in this room. Now, Lord, you would open the windows of heaven. And you would pour out your word. It would minister and it would speak. It would edify and it would ignite a fire in our hearts. God, we give you all praise, give you all glory, give you all honor. In Jesus' precious and all-powerful name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, we are reading about this man uh, who is seen over and over again in the Word of God. His ministry was powerful and productive. It was linked with supernatural outpourings and uh, magnificent miracles. It seemed like everywhere he went, lives were changed. Destinies were altered. And even devils were cast out. And so we read about him now as the preacher, as the pastor, and as the apostle. But wasn't always like that in his life. Uh, there was a time before his conversion that he didn't understand Christianity. He didn't have the proper comprehension of what the church was really about. So because of that, he tried his best to destroy and to overthrow it. He would often go to great lengths and take extreme situations and do his level best to stop their message and their movement from going forward. We read in the New Testament of him, the Bible saying, wreaking havoc in the church. And then also another portion tells us that he was there uh, when Stephen was stoned. He was the one holding the garments of those that were throwing the rocks. And there's something that can be said about that. There are some that are stone throwers, and then there are some that are cloak holders. They won't throw the stone, but they'll sure help it get to where it needs to go. Uh, And I don't want to be the stone thrower, and I don't want to be a cloak holder. I don't want to aid or abet any problem, any turmoil, or any trouble that may try to rise up. And yet he's holding the cloaks. He's holding their garments. And you would have to wonder... Stephen, was his life was seen in the scriptures, but there had to be others where Saul was present as he eyewitnessed their deaths. Surely he had to hear some of those last words. Surely there had to be some that looked at him and said, if you would only know what I know, if you would only have your own experience with the Savior, you know it's not trying to hurt anybody. but it's only trying to help. No matter how it comes across, there had to be a time when he heard the testimony of others, the testimony of some that said, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind and now I see. There had to be some that said, I was down in a place of sin. I I was headed to a path of destruction, but Jesus came to my rescue, and Jesus gave me what I desperately needed, but there had to come a time where it was his experience and his encounter with Jesus himself. He couldn't rely upon the testimonies of others and the stories that others shared. But he had to have his own moment with the master. That's what we need here in 2020. We need our own story. Thankful for what God has done in the past. We appreciate his answered prayers. We are thankful for revivals of years gone by. But we also know it is a time that we've got to see it happen again. We've got to see souls come down to an altar and find life-changing deliverance. There's got to be some that are wonderful uh, Once in sin, and once in bondage, and once being addicted, but now can be set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. So Paul got to eyewitness that himself. From that moment forward, he gave his life to the ministry gave his life to the church of the living God, to build disciples and and to reach souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it leads us here to this 21st chapter of the book of Acts. And when we begin to read at the very beginning, there is a convention, you could say, of sorts, of people coming together, those from different areas and from different locations, believers, disciples, and not just believers and disciples, but there were powerful ministries that were present in Acts 21, notable pastors who were there, but then the scripture also tells us that there were prophets among the group, one man in particular was named Agabus, And Agabus was not a stranger to the people. This is someone that when they began to speak, you could take it to the bank that what they said is going to come to pass. He was not a phony or a wannabe or a pretender. But if Agabus started prophesying, you better get your iPhone out and record it because you want to listen to it later on. If he got to preaching and he got to prophesying, now, other people, you may not pay a whole lot of attention to it. But if Agabus starts prophesying, you got to get real serious real fast. See, to me, that's the sign of the real prophet. Real prophets don't miss. Real prophets aren't right and then wrong. They're not hit and they're not missed. But when you walk in the Holy Ghost, you got to be right every time. You take that authority and responsibility. You can't play games. You've got to really hear from the Lord. Somebody say, Amen. And so Agabus starts to prophesy. He starts to preach. And the focus of everybody turns to him. And they're from different areas and different regions. And so there were some that knew each other and others that were strangers. But Agabus starts walking, and he looks over, and he sees this garment. And it seems like that he didn't know who that garment belonged to. But when he walked towards that garment, there was something that triggered in his spirit. And he picked up that garment and began to proclaim the word of the Lord. He said, whoever owns this garment, they're going to be bound at Jerusalem. Then he takes it a step further, and he says, Thus saith the Holy Ghost. Now, if somebody's saying that, they're putting all their cards on the table. Thus saith the Holy Ghost, whoever this belongs to, they're going to be jailed. They're going to be in prison, and they're going to face persecution. And Agabus didn't know whose garment that belonged to, but the people knew whose garment that belonged to. In my mind, I can almost see it happening like it was Paul's suit jacket laid over on the altar somewhere. And he kind of reaches over and he grabs it. Everybody knows whose suit jacket that was. Everybody knew whose garment that was. And he began to prophesy and said, whoever this belongs to, they're about to face extreme punishment. They're about to be persecuted. They're about to be locked up and and put in a prison with criminals and those that have done wrong. When he said that, the people instantly responded. I can hear them beginning to weep and beginning to cry. Then they actually go to where Paul is, and they try to convince him, you can't go on this next missionary journey. You you need to just stay home for a little while because there's trouble that's waiting on you. They tried their best. They tried every explanation they knew how to give. Finally, in verse 13, Paul said, now listen, don't weep and don't cry for me because I may be bound at Jerusalem. He said, I don't want to hear any sob stories and I don't want to hear any complaints. He said, because I'm willing not to just be bound, but I'm willing to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Uh, Paul had already made up his mind. He was not going to be distracted. He would not be deterred, and, and he would not be discouraged. That is somebody who is totally committed. Verse 14 said he would not be persuaded. So somebody had sat down and talked with him and said, Are you willing to risk your life? Are you willing to put your ministry in jeopardy? Are you willing to uh, question the future? The prophet already prophesied it. The word of the Lord has already been spoken. The prophecy has already been given. You know what's getting ready to happen. Surely you aren't still going to go and preach Paul said, listen, I may be bound, but I'm not backing down. I know what God has called me to do. Oh, I wish there would be more with that mindset in this day that would say I may face a little penalty for what I'm getting ready to do. I may have to come up against some obstacles and overcome some adversity. But if God called me and God commissioned me and God sent me, then God's not going to leave me or desert me. And when we walk with the Lord, brothers and sisters, there may be times that it gets a little tough. There may be times when we wonder, God, do you still know what you're doing? But we have a promise in the word of the Lord that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God is not going to leave us. He's not going to abandon us and he's not going to forsake us. But he is looking for those that would have that same committed mindset. It was the missionary, David Livingston, who went out to the jungles and would reach for people and never even heard this gospel message. So he would call back to the states asking for help if there was anybody that they thought would be willing to come so he would have this communication back and forth and oftentimes he would be right in the thick of this mission uh, without any help and without any kind of assistance and yet he just put his shoulder to the plow and work and when he'd get the calls they would ask if if any openings have come up if there's anything that he needed he'd always reply with the same answer of course i need help huh? And they would ask this question, are there any good roads to get to where you're at? And he said, I'm not looking for people that are looking for easy roads. I'm looking for people that will come if there's no road at all. There are some that only want it if it's easy, if it doesn't cost them a lot. But I'm going to tell you, if you really want to move in God, if you really want to experience the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost, if you really want to make a difference in your family, in your loved ones, in your friends, it's always going to take a sacrifice. It's going to be those that are willing to take the stand and do whatever's needed, whatever has to be done. And Paul was the one that would stand up and say, no matter what it takes, I will not be persuaded not to go. We find him talking about being persuaded to do other things. He said, I am persuaded that neither death no life, no angels, no principalities, no powers, no things present, no things to come, no height, no depth, no any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate somebody who's latched on with the teeth of a bulldog. Nothing is going to separate somebody who's got their mind made up. You can tell who the pillars of the church are because they come no matter what happens. They serve the Lord in the good days and in the bad days. They're serving the Lord when they're in good health and when it's bad health and sickness and good days and storms and troubles. They're still serving Him. You know what that's called? It's called totally committed. Totally committed. It was... Julius Caesar uh, that led his armies Caesar renowned in history uh, for the kingdom that they built Julius Caesar was leading his army to the cliffs of Dover to the edge of Great Britain and uh, they had got to the cliffs and they had all uh, got out of their boats and set out on this journey they were coming with an element of surprise Caesar said that if they really wanted to overthrow an entire country, then they had to catch them flat-footed and off guard. And so with all of these men willing to risk their lives and go with him, they set out from this journey. And as they were walking in unison, after a little while they began to hear some cries and some yelling and some screaming. And finally... Once they figured out what was going on, there were some messengers towards the back of the uh, group. And they came to the front and said, We need to tell you what's going on. We need to show you just off this hill. You'll see it for yourself. And so they began to walk towards the edge of the cliff. When they got to the edge of the cliff, they saw it firsthand. Their entire fleet was on fire. All of their ships and all of their boats were ablaze. Somebody began to speak up. Who was it among us that let the secret out? How did the enemy know that we were coming? How was the adversary aware? This is where we were going to land. How did they know? They can't even be that far away. The fire is still fresh. The boats have just now started to burn. They have to be close. And before pandemonium ensued, it was Caesar that stood up. And he began to look at his soldiers and said, It was not the enemy that set our fleet on fire. I'm the one that set the boats on fire. What? What? talk about questioning leadership, that was a moment that they probably questioned the leadership. What are you doing? Why would you destroy our own boats? He said, because as long as those boats are in harbor, we'll always have a plan B. If the battle gets a little rough, we can always run back and we can escape. But now that the boats are burnt up, You got one option, and you better win. We got one. There is no retreat. There is no other second plan. There is no way around this. If we don't defeat them, they're going to defeat us. If we don't annihilate our adversary, our adversary is going to annihilate us. And when I read that story, I thought to myself, how many times do we have ships of sin that we let dock in our lives? how many boats of other possibilities that if it gets going not quite the way I like, if it gets a little too tough, if it gets a little uh, full of turmoil, then I've got another way out. But once you decide in your heart and determine in your mind that I'm going to set my ships of sin on fire, it's no other way around this. There's no other life to live. Peter looked at Jesus If he, when he said, "Will you also go away. He said, where else are we going to go? We've left our careers. We've left our futures. We left everything else behind. And when you really get in serving the Lord and you really get on fire for God, the world just doesn't dazzle you like it once did. The world just doesn't appeal to you like it did previously before know oh, what Caesar did on the cliffs of Dover that day. He made a statement. I am totally committed. Totally committed. No matter what comes, we're going to be committed. I wonder i a moment if we can raise our hands to heaven. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. I feel like the Lord is wanting to speak to somebody's heart and minister to somebody's soul here. Oh God, I want to be committed to you. All that I have, all that I am, all that is within me, Jesus. God, we want to be committed to you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. See, the Bible gives us examples time and time again of those that would take the stand and would square their shoulders and lift their head up high and be willing to stand if they were the only ones left. We find in the book of Daniel, the third chapter, that there was a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was eradicating the history of the people of God. He was bringing in ideology and he was bringing in idolatry. To make matters even worse, he had even went one step too far. He had made a golden image. and When he made this golden image, the declaration went, when you heard the sound of the music, when you heard the flutes and the drums and the harps and the instruments, you were to bow down and you were to worship this golden image. And if you didn't like it, And if you didn't align with what he thought you should align with, there was something waiting for you. Come on, Bible readers. You were thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. No other option. So Nebuchadnezzar started his tirade, and his inquisition began. And people, one right after another, began to fall down and worship this golden image. Yet in the Scriptures we find that there were three young men by the name of Meshach, Sadrach, and Abednego. And word came back to Nebuchadnezzar that three, these three young men were not bowing. They weren't doing it. Knowing what was waiting on them, knowing that they could lose their life, knowing what was going to be in jeopardy, Nebuchadnezzar said, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to where they are. And in my mind, I could just imagine him with his chariots and his soldiers and the music being played. He was going to have a grand entry. He was going to make sure to embarrass those boys. He was going to embarrass those young men at the very least. Can you just try to picture this with me now for a moment? All of these soldiers coming and the king is there and his rulers beside him and dignitaries surrounding him. And while they are coming closer, there's a group of people and all over these people are bowing down. But yet there are three that are standing head and shoulders above everybody else. So sometimes I I try to put myself right where this is happening. If you could just envision with me for a moment this taking place right before your eyes. You're standing there and you're surrounded by people that you know. Now make no mistake, Meshach, Sadrach, and Abednego, when they were standing there, they weren't surrounded by strangers. They were surrounded by people they had lived their whole lives with. This was family members. This was people they went to the synagogue with every Sabbath. This is the one that were taught on the same pews, heard the same sermons, felt the same spirit. This is not somebody just random. They look around and they see their aunt. They look over there and there's their cousin. They look over there and that's the neighbor boy that grew up beside as a kid. And they're all bowing down, and you can feel the pressure. If you don't know what pressure feels like, we're starting to feel it right now in 2020. If you don't bow down to a certain ideology, there's some pressure that starts getting put on you. Can you imagine what it must have been like physically standing there? And I can hear people saying, what is wrong with you? Do you think you're better than us? Do you you not realize what's going to happen? That Nebuchadnezzar's coming. You better count on it. He's coming. Uh, He's going to put you all in that fiery furnace. And yet they're still standing there. And now they can hear the chariots coming. Uh, They can hear the trumpets sounding. Uh, They can hear the proclamations going forth. It's just a matter of minutes. Nebuchadnezzar and his most vile men are about to show up. And I can hear maybe somebody not far away saying, "You know what you ought to do is just reach down and act like you're tying your shoe or something. You know, that way you're bowing down, but you're not really bound down." You know, some people's always got a way out; they got loopholes, you know, to get around this thing. But somewhere there was some integrity in these boys. I said, I know I could probably fake it, I know that I could probably just go along and do what everybody else is doing, but there was something that was taught to us, there was something instilled in us, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost, and I just can't bend over like everybody else is doing, I just can't act like everybody else is acting, and I know this doesn't mean anything to you, but it means a whole lot to me, I just can't compromise my convictions and I just can't lay aside my integrity. I believe this to the core of my being and you can do whatever you want to do. But as for me, we're just not going to do it. So this pressure's mounting on them and finally Nebuchadnezzar shows up and these three boys are still standing. You got to give it up to them just for standing that long. You gotta give it up to him that somebody didn't hit him in the head with something. Because they know if Nebuchadnezzar's he might get a little angry, he might not just take it out on you, he might take it out on everybody around here. And Nebuchadnezzar shows up, some of the very first words out of his mouth. He said, Who is the God that's gonna deliver you out of this burning fiery furnace? I don't know what he was asking. But if you've been around church any length of time, what he was doing, he was throwing a softball. Are you teasing me? Are you just wanting me to tell you what God can do and how great he is? Because we know about how great God is. He's the one that spoke the world into existence. He hung the planets into orbit, named every star. You want to know about this God? He's the one that called Abraham out. He's the one that spoke to Moses and led Moses out of the bondage of Pharaoh and left got Israel out of Egypt and crossed over on the Red Sea. Who's the God that's going to deliver us? It's the God that does what he does best. He's the one that made David dance in the street. He's the one that gave Solomon all of his wisdom. Who is This This is the one that put integrity in Esther's mind, in her heart, and in her soul. This God is the one that's never lost a battle. He's never been defeated. He's never been overthrown. He's never been abused or taken advantage of. This God that we serve, Notice how they responded. They said, O king, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Our God whom we serve, he is able to deliver us out of this burning fiery furnace. You don't think so? Our God's a heart mender. He's a mind regulator. He's a soul satisfier. This God that we serve, he's the doctor in the sick room. He's, he's the lawyer in the courtroom. He's the rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in the time of storm. He's a bridge over troubled waters. He's a rainbow after the long rain. This God, I'm going to tell you who this God is. He's Adam's Redeemer, Abel's Vindicator, Abraham's Sacrifice, Noah's Ark, Jacob's Star, Joseph's Dream, Gideon's Captain, Samson's Strength, Joshua's Champion, Deborah's Authority, Esther's Integrity, David's Music, Solomon's Wisdom, Elijah's Fire, Micah's Mercy, Malachi's Messenger, Isaiah's Prince, Jeremiah's Balm, Ezekiel's Wheel. Oh, I don't have to worry about God. You're the one that should be nervous, Nebuchadnezzar. This God, hey, when Jesus was hanging up on the cross and they mocked him, he said, I can call legions down on you, Bubba. But they stood there and said, listen, this God, he can scoop us up. and He can take us out. He can rescue us and he can take you down. He is able to deliver us. But then there's three words in verse number 18. They said, but if not. I know he's going to take us. He's going to rescue us. He's going to help us. But I got a news flash for you if he doesn't. And if we get burned up alive in that furnace, and if our lives come to an end, and it's all but over, I got something to tell you. We still will not bow down. Brother, that is totally committed. I said, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, you may think you got the last word. You may think that you got all the power and you got all that you need. But let me tell you, if God rescues us, he rescues us. If he saves us, he saves us. But if he doesn't and we stand here and we go out, then we will just go out because we will not bow. Oh, would to God that that would be the mindset of us today. Oh, we we may need it. The prophet Jeremiah knew about the power of the Lord. Jeremiah 33 and 3, he said, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jeremiah 29, 13, he said, You shall seek me, and you shall find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. But then the old-timers used to preach a little something that Jeremiah spoke. He said, if you can't walk with a footman, how are you going to run with a horseman if you can't do it when it's pretty easy right now? There's not a lot of persecution. There's not really a lot of adversity. If you want to, you can do it. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. If you want to lift your hands, you can lift your hands. you want to come to church, you can go to church. Jeremiah said, there may be a day when it starts getting reversed. One man said, some people are willing to die for him, but how can we die for him if we can't live for him? I want to live for God with all of my heart. I know that's the prayers of everybody in this room. It's my desire. I gotta make it to heaven. There's a heaven to gain, and there's a hell to sun, there's a savior to see and a devil to avoid. I gotta make sure I get there. I gotta make sure I see him. I gotta make sure it may cost me a little something, but it's worth every sacrifice, it's worth anything I have to give up. It's worth anything that's asked of us. Because we got to be totally committed. One more time. Can we lift our hands to the Lord? The music's getting ready to come. I'm getting ready to close. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here tonight. Can't you feel a strength coming? Woo! Why don't you make a declaration right where you're sitting? God, I'm going to commit my life to you. I'm going to commit to you in prayer. I'm going to commit to you in Bible reading. I'm going to commit to you in fasting. I'm going to commit to you in witnessing. I'm going to commit my life to you, oh God, today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Could you stand with me all across the house? As every head is bad, every eye is closed, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we are so appreciative of your people, those that are willing to take sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. But God, I'm praying now that you would send a wave of encouragement. God, let there be a refreshing anointing that began to sweep through this place. God, from the front to the back and from the left to the right, would you just open the windows of heaven? God, open up the floodgates and pour out what cannot be found in this world. God, give us a little taste of heaven now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name,